Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, here it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And our play-by-play call of the day. The Chargers and the Broncos come down to the end. Dave Logan with a call on KOA in Denver. So again, Young Way Koo. From 44 yards out, attempts to tie this game with five seconds to go. Snap placement, kick on the way, and he shanked it, and he's no good. No good with one second left in Denver. Anthony Lynn, the head coach at uh, for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. You know his son was is uh, is Danton Lynn, who played here at Penn State. So know the Lynn family and have met him. Have met him, Danton. By the way, I, I think Dan may have joined him with the Chargers. Last time I talked to Danton, he was working with the Bills, trying to work his way up. And Dan himself, I think, is going to be a good coach someday. Dan knows how to play, uh, especially DB. But yeah, his uh, Anthony Lynn's son, Danton, went to Penn State. Was a starter. I think he was started for three years. Penn State has no connections to Vance Joseph at all. But I thought I'd throw that in there. This just for local interest. You, know, you can try to localize stories whenever you can. Uh, mentioned that Jordan Norwood retired yesterday from State High. He, went, he, he made some coin in the league, man. He went out there and he, he was a good, reliable player for 10 years in the NFL. That's pretty good. He had himself a really nice career. Super Bowl record holder for longest punt return. So, Jordan Norwood retiring yesterday, and Danton Lynn's dad had his pro head coaching career yesterday. His uh, debut, I should say. So there's a little Penn State connection if you when you watch the Chargers this year. Uh, let's see. Um, David Johnson out uh, two to three months. Dislocated wrist for the Cardinals. Mike Tomlin says that Bell's going to improve. They need to be better on penalties. Lakers are going to retire. Kobe's number eight and 24. Is going to, they're going to retire both. Uh, Stephon Marbury wants to go back to the NBA to cap his career. Good luck. Warriors, here's one for you. You know how the NBA teams are now going to be having on their uniforms advertising? They're not big patches, but Rukuten, which happens to be a Japanese tech company, has signed a three-year, $60 million deal with the Golden State Warriors. So they have their red Rukuten patch on the front of the Warriors jerseys. Rukuten founder and CEO Hiroshi Mikitani 
told ESPN, we love sports. <laughs> At $60 million over three years, you should. There's a lot of emotion to it. Great story, smiles and tears. That's what he told them. But $60 million, so it's $20 million a year. It's the second highest number of the Cavaliers right now at the top out market. Uh, a little more than a month ago, though, 14 teams have done patch deals now. However, several major market teams have not done the deals yet. The Knicks, the Bulls, the Lakers, and the Clippers all have not. But 14 of the 30 teams in the NBA will have a patch on the jersey from an advertiser. Now, they are not big. They're not... They don't dominate the logo or anything like that, but they have done that. It, it, it see this is where I think soccer misses the boat a little bit. How many times now look that you turn on an MLS game and you don't know who's playing? I mean, do you know who's playing when you watch? I don't. I mean, you look at it and it's like oh, and they've got an advertisement there for. Yeah. Suits bail bonds. No. Not true, Sean. Who wears Emirates in the... Is it Liverpool or Arsenal wears Emirates? Across the front. Uh, Emirates uh, would be Emirates would be, I believe, Arsenal. Arsenal. Yes. Yeah. yeah I think Liverpool has but, a. Uh, uh, I think it's like an insurance but, or an investment brand on on their jersey this year. I think the Houston Dynamo has suits bail bonds. No, <laughs> Chico's bail bonds. <laughs> no, no suits. Okay, <laughs> suits branched out. Uh, Rebranded. Suit, suit is branched out. Yeah, suits. Yeah, suits bail bonds. Yeah, yeah. LLC. So when he can't make it to the uh, when he can't make it to the Bucknell luncheon, which is exactly where he should be, and he's using some fraud excuse. That's what he's doing. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Just so you know. Yes. I'm with you. It's where he should be. Yeah. Hopefully that's where I'll be tomorrow. Well, I would hope so. Well, because, you know, it's to be, you know, to be, you know, for the show. It's it's for the good of this show. Right? Absolutely. It's it's called presence. I mean, like a couple of weeks ago, I guess he went to something for the Bloomsburg Fair. I mean, what did they do? Change the Ferris wheel? What? <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, it was like I said to you during the break, as long as these stands that I love to go to, as long as they don't get relocated, don't tell me a thing, and I'm good to go. So, <laughs> I, I mean, what, the merry-go-round's different? Whatever. you gotta, you got to go to the luncheon. You can't be going. To, yeah, come on. you got to be in touch with the team. I can't sit there and guess. He's got a big weekend. He's got to, he's got to go on the road this weekend. Right, Bucknell's at William & Mary, right? That's, That's right. That's a 6 o'clock game. Mm-hmm. That's 6 o'clock, so 5.30 is the airtime on Eagle 107. So he's got a high school game on Friday night and then a game at William & Mary coming up on Saturday. 
All right. Uh, let's see. A couple of other notes for you. Uh, 2018 baseball schedule of the first true opening day since 1967 or 68, 68, I believe. All 30 teams are playing on opening day on Thursday, March 29th. It's the first time they've done that since, I want to say, since 68, 1968. I think this is great to see it. Phillies will be at the Braves on opening day. Pirates are at the Tigers on opening day. Yankees are playing the Blue Jays, Astros Rangers, Angels A's, Indians Mariners, White Sox Royals, Twins Orioles, Rays Red Sox, uh, Rockies Diamondbacks, Giants Dodgers, Brewers Padres, Cubs Marlins, Nationals Reds, and the Cardinals and the Mets. All 30 teams are playing on opening day. First time they've done that since 1968. Now the second game of the season... Nine games are scheduled with a full slate on Saturday. Because after the opening game, you're exhausted. <laughs> uh, let's see. Other items on here. Let's see. In interleague play, you'll get a home-and-home home rematch between the Indians and the Cubs. Other interesting interleague matchups include the Phillies-Rays, the Yankees-Phillies, and the Rangers-Giants. Uh, let's see. Thursday after the All-Star game at Nationals Park will feature one game. The Cardinals and the Cubs at Wrigley. Then everybody else plays on Friday. Twins and Indians will play a two-game series in Puerto Rico, April 17th and 18th. The Major League Baseball draft is June 4th. And the final day of the regular season, September 30th, will feature 12 intra-divisional games, including the Red Sox and Yankees. Now, it doesn't say anything here about the Mets and Phillies, but they're going to announce that at a later date, but that's August 19th. Okay? That's what we find. That's what's intriguing about the Major League Baseball schedule. Now, the future Big Ten schedules come out, and what is really intriguing about that, two things. In 20 and 21, especially in 21, in 21, there are going to be six Big Ten games to open the season. Penn State will play at Wisconsin to open the season, and the Ohio State game gets moved to later in November to get it away from the World Series, which gives, obviously, a better opportunity at prime time, even though it's late November. But also in 20 and 21, those are the two years where, voila, Rutgers is at the end. Uh, you know, that's not, to be honest with you, that's not the way I, I do it. It really isn't. I do it one of two ways, Sean. I mean, this is my big complaint. I do it one of two ways. I'd either have them close with Michigan State every year like they used to or close with Maryland and pick one and make it the final weekend no matter what. Pick one. Yeah, they had that long stretch where they were playing Michigan State uh, as their final game. And there was a point, and this was before you know the, the latest teams came into the conference, they wanted to try, was it two years or four years, they wanted to finish the, the season with Wisconsin. They wanted to do it with Wisconsin, but that was when 
they put Penn State and Michigan State were put into different divisions. And when you're put into different divisions, you rotate off the schedule. That's why Michigan State rotated off. They were in the different division. Well, now they've gone back. Now they've gone to now they've gone to East and West, and Michigan State's back in the same division with Penn State. Why not play them at the end and have Maryland play Rutgers, or have Maryland be the last game of the season? I will say, several years ago, I was really looking forward to seeing Penn State and Nebraska play outright year after year. But of course, that was before uh, you know Rutgers came in. So. And Maryland well, that too. was that that was the designated crossover game, and the only reason that existed was because Ohio State and Michigan were in different divisions. So you had to justify Ohio State and Michigan playing each year against one another. So they created the designated crossover game, and Penn State's crossover game was Nebraska. You know what Michigan State's crossover game was? Indiana. And I remember talking with the Michigan State people. They're like, oh, yeah, that's our longtime rival. <laughs> uh, maybe in basketball, but not in football. But that is, uh, I mean, that's what they've done. I, I would like to see that because, you know, and you can do all the mumbo jumbo about why don't you play Pitt at the end. Like, you're the, uh, the endless. You can't play a non-conference game at the end of the conference says you have a conference game. Conference dictates this. I really do like though the the, the idea of opening the conference season right out of the gate. I think it gets in, instant interest right away. Other conferences do a great job of staggering games along the way. The SEC has been brilliant at it. All right, Tennessee, Florida, that's in September. And then the next week there'll be another game of interest that uh, that people really like within the conference. USC did it last week with Stanford. They played that Pac-12 game, a conference game, in the second week of the season. And that's a great job by the Pac-12 of getting some early interest going by staggering conference games along the way where you're not just married to non-conference opponents. And I think that part is is interesting, and I think that's been smart, especially in the SEC's part, because they're the ones that have come up with that idea of staggering conference games to make you feel, perception-wise, okay, perception-wise, that there's a big game every week in the conference. And what you'll do is... Uh, is that when you look at, uh, for example, the opening weekend of the Big Ten season in 21 or whatever it is, you're going to have six conference games. Well, those six conference games are going to get the Big Ten out of the gate and into the interest level of people across the country. I think it's smart. I think it's smart. Now, they're not staggering. Because there are other, you know, the next two weekends after that happen to be weekends with nothing but non-conference games. But I think that it is that's a smart move. Now I know that this move is what four years away. I got that. Um, I just think that this move. Uh, I praise the SEC for years. I mean, there are only eight SEC games, not nine. On a schedule, yet they stagger their schedule beautifully in terms of giving you the perception that every week something big is happening. 
Let's see your SEC scheduling. Let me, okay, Southeastern Conference schedule. I mean, they stagger it. And it's really, really well how they do this. I mean, it's smart. Um, let's see. What conference games do you have? Let's see. Get to through September 2nd. Let's get to week two. Uh, week two, that these were all non-conference games. Now you get to week three. Ah, Tennessee, Florida this week. So Tennessee and Florida play this week. LSU plays Mississippi State. So they have two conference games in week three. Now you get to week four. All right, week four, yeah, LSU plays not out of conference. Everybody else plays. Let's see, UMass plays Tennessee. You got Alabama at Vanderbilt. You got Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi State to Georgia. But they stagger this out. And that's what they do. They, they do a great job of staggering their schedule to make you think there's something big every single week. For example, South Carolina played at Missouri last week, a conference game in the second week of the season. So South Carolina played in a key Eastern Conference game. South Carolina played at Missouri. And that was their move to try and be, you know, to have a conference game of importance to go with the non-conference games. And that's, I just think what they do is really, really smart. Really smart. We'll take a break. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Penn State, Georgia State, Saturday night, Beaver Stadium. Kickoff set for 7.30. We're on beginning at 6 o'clock. Outside the, uh, well, near the Jordan Ticket Center. We were moved last week because of a band. Just moved down just a little bit. We actually like the new spot better. <laughs> okay, I think we'll stay there. I think they put into a request to stay in the spot they put us in. I sort of liked it better. A nice crowd last week. Really nice crowd. Um, now, for obvious reasons. Again, I don't think for a second. I don't completely get... The emotion surrounding the Penn State pit game, I got that. But I'm trying to remember what coach it was years ago and and what the game was. But he said, Well, if this week's the be all end all, how come we're playing next week? Right? And I think I know one of the reasons that I think there's a little bit of angst about a 19-point win. And Jack reminded me of this yesterday when we were talking. The spread was 21. Penn State did not cover. Oh. Now, what have I always said when it comes to reporting and gambling? And this, this thing goes to gambling overall. I've always told my students, don't bet on games. The reason I told them to bet on games is that it skews your opinion of what you're watching. Well, for people who put money on this game expecting Penn State to blow them out by 30, 40 points, and they didn't get that, I'm wondering if that's skewing their opinion of the game. Because I thought Penn State 
didn't play awesome, great, or incredible, but played really, really well. I thought they played really well. So, we'll talk more about that in the final half hour. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Cam, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us on the show today. And time now for this date in sports, or excuse me, for our sports bozo of the day. The Danica Patrick Stewart Haas future done. She will not return to Stewart Haas Racing in 2018. The heck's her highest finish in this thing, anyway? Obviously, some of it has to do with the car. But three-year deal. Um, the heck's her highest finish here? She sits 28th in the standings right now, which would be her worst five-year NASCAR Cup career finish. Um. She says, I have no interest, as I've said for years now, to run 20th to 25th, yet she consistently runs 20th to 25th. Um, She's finished from 24th to 28th in the standings in each of her four years. She did win the 2013 Daytona 500 poll. Look, if she does anything in NASCAR, the amount of fans that she would bring... to the table would be incredible. Look, if she's in contention, people love the fact that she's in contention. So, I mean, she brings fans with her. Um, But, again, the ability, she has seven top ten finishes, most of any female cup driver. But her finishes overall, 24th to 28th, and she's 28th right now. Uh, IndyCar, she won in Japan in 2008. She finished third at the Indy 500 in 2009. Um, and it's been a big problem. Now, how much of that is her? How much of that is the equipment, the car? I don't know. She's developed a clothing line, Warrior. And whether somebody picks her up next year, I don't know. It's a big decision they're going to have to make. I mean, she could always go back to Indy if she wanted to. She's obviously had some success there. 
61 races over five years for Danica Patrick. Zero wins, seven top tens, and one pole. Yeah, she right. she yeah she got the pole in the uh, Daytona 500 right. back in 2013. Right. Yeah. Right. But my question: What's her highest finish this year? And that's my question: What's her highest finish this Looks year? Looks like stuck in the 20s. Yeah, from what I'm seeing. Yeah. Like every race, and her highest finish in any year uh, was 24th in the overall. That's just a hard spot to be in. That's like it, that's like being the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are always good enough to make the playoffs, but they're always in that fourteen to eighteen range in the draft, or, which means they don't get anybody that really changes the franchise unless they get lucky with a player. I mean, that's about where she is, like the Atlanta Hawks. Like, good enough to be out there and compete, but not good enough to win. The Indians are going for their 20th straight win tonight, and here's a chance. Whose record are they trying to tie? They are trying to tie the Moneyball Oakland A's. They made a movie out of it. And... They go for their 20th win tonight. So it would be the American League record. During the streak, the Indians have destroyed the opposition by 100 runs. Okay, In the 171 innings they played in the 19-game winning streak, they have outscored the opponent 132-32. to They've only trailed in four innings out of 171. They have produced six shutouts. In that span, they have a major league leading 1.68 ERA. Their OPS, a major league leading 951. During the 19-game winning streak, they have 90 extra base hits. They have 37 home runs. They've actually hit five more home runs, 37, than their pitching staff has given up runs, 32. You want to talk about good. Maybe Brad Pitt can play Terry Francona. Maybe not. But that was Moneyball, of course, the analytics approach to baseball. And don't think all 19 wins have been at home. Uh, the during the road trip, the <laughs> Indians are 11 and 0. It's amazing. What do you think would and be the biggest surprise, though? Would it be this winning streak that Cleveland has, combined with the winning streak that Arizona has enjoyed, uh, or the Dodgers? Dodgers re- losing streak. Yeah, Do- Dodgers losing streak. The Dodgers losing streak is is one where you sit back and say, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here? Because the Dodgers cruised along for such a long period of time. Long period of time. They just cruised along. I mean, they were on track where you thought it was when it was all said and done, they were going to get right around the neighborhood of 115, 116 wins and be a record-setting team. 
Now, what have they lost now? 11 in a row? 10 in a row? Something like that? Suddenly, out of nowhere, they can't win. That's the amazing thing. Suddenly, the Dodgers can't win. And they've got Clayton Kershaw back, and he got he got hit around a little bit the other night when he got back in there. Ironically, name the only team that has clinched. It's not the Dodgers. It's the Washington Nationals. Yeah, the, getting right back to the Dodgers, yeah, the Dodgers have lost 11 in a row. I think the yep. amazing part of it all, how great Arizona has played, they, <laughs> they're they in second place, but they've, they're, at least they're down to you know single digits, games behind. But at one Again, point, they were, they were yeah. near 20 back, weren't they? But now they cut yeah. that to nine back. 20 games back, now they're nine back. The Rockies have steadied the ship. They've won five in a row, and they are 13 games back. Cubs have a two-game lead over the Cardinals. Brewers two and a half back. Nationals have clinched. They got a twenty game lead over the Marlins. The Nationals are the only team in the East playing over five hundred. Astros have been cruising along at a six hundred pace. They have a thirteen game lead over the Angels and fourteen over the Rangers. At least those two teams are over five hundred. Uh, the Nationals have the second best record in baseball. Yeah, with the Nationals, you know with Steven Strasburg now that he's the solid number two guy in yeah. the rotation, and with Max being number one. I mean, now with, with that and, and you know Strasburg, he can just you know do what he can do, and he he he's been. Right. I've been noticing out there he'll pitch seven, eight strong innings, and of course they keep, he keeps doing that in the off season, uh, in the uh, in the postseason. Uh, just be interesting to see how far they can go. I, I'm just surprised that they clinched before the Dodgers did. They have, but they are also in the weaker division. Arizona and Colorado are both the wild card leaders. We'll get to that in a second. Indians have a 13 half game lead on the Twins, and have won 19 in a row. They've now outscored the opposition by 218 runs this year. Red Sox lead the Yankees by three in the American League East. Now, as for the wild card in baseball, the wild card looks like this. The Yankees have a four-game lead for the number one spot. The Twins are second. The Angels are a game back of the Twins. The Rangers are two back. Royals two and a half back of the second wild card spot. And the Orioles are three and a half back, as are the Mariners. In the National League, Arizona's four up for the number one wild card spot. The Rockies are second, and they've got a three-and-a-half game lead now on the Cardinals for the second wild card spot because they've won five in a row. Brewers are four back in the wild card. There's nobody else in contention after that. So that's where it's at. So it's been Colorado and Arizona solidly all season. And then Colorado faltered, and now Colorado's come back. They've won five in a row. Uh, the Yankees have won three in a row. The Twins have lost two in a row. Angels and Rangers each won their last time out. And let's see. The Royals have won one. The Orioles, the Orioles have really hurt themselves. They've lost five in a row here down the stretch. Five in a row. Could have made a big, big difference here. Say they'd won those five. They would be what? Eight and two their last 
10 games, they would have they would put them in the number one wild card spot ahead of the uh, Twins, or number two wild card spot ahead of the Twins. But they lost five in a row, and so they're three and a half back. The second wild card, what it's done is it, it, it keeps everybody alive, and it makes a general manager's job, which is really difficult to begin with, really hard now because you have to make a a you have to make a really difficult decision before July 31st and then before August 31st am i in it am i legitimately legitimately in it if i make a move can i get my team to the playoffs and again as i pointed out many times just get to the playoffs once you get there you then can win it. Royals and Giants, two perfect examples. They entered the wild card a couple of years ago. All right, Kansas City beat Oakland. Pirates, uh, the Giants beat the Pirates. They both ended up in the World Series where the Giants won it. They both took the avenue of being wild card teams. So that's that's. Just get in. Once you get in, then you can craft some sort of run. I mean, the Yankees are an interesting team in this. So is Arizona and Colorado. They're interesting teams in all this. I mean, they're the kind of teams that are, all three are capable of making long runs in the postseason once they get there. We'll take a break. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Penn State and Georgia State coming up Saturday night, Beaver Stadium at 7.30, 6 o'clock the airtime. Bucknell on the road on Eagle 107 to play at William & Mary Saturday at 6, airtime 5.30 with Doug and Kevin. Full slate of high school football coming up. We'll talk more about that as the week goes along. Thursday we'll do our roundtable. Uh, and also Adam Amin's on the show tomorrow, which we're looking forward to. Next week, Tony Knopp is going to join us to talk about the business of sports. So we have plenty uh, going on with the show. And we're also trying to get uh, Sean Elliott on the show, who is the uh, head football coach at Georgia State. And it looks like we're actually close to getting him to do the show. I wonder, for example, all the bad weather they had there with the remnants of Irma going through Atlanta. Uh, what that did to their preparation. 
Yeah, I've had two weeks to get ready. I understand that, but still, just wondering. And I'll ask him that. Coming up on Friday, Michelle Marciniak is going to join us. She's a pedal for Pat Summit bike ride coming up. By the way, what were the numbers on the Friday predictions? Well, we call your brother the king for nothing. Yeah. Ran the table. 6-0. and Wow. It's impressive. I was not impressive. Okay. I end up like two and four. You and I are now tied with six wins. The King is sitting pretty double-digit wins already after two weeks. You and I are both four games behind. Digging a hole early. Was it at least 500? Uh, I think it was at... Uh, I think we're both six and five. He's ten and one. We're both six and five. I mean, I mean for the week. I mean, I'm talking about for the week. Uh, I believe you were. I was two and four. I'm trying to remember the numbers right off the top of my head on the paper in that front of me. I must have been like four and two or something. Yeah, you were four and two. I was two and four, and Kevin was six and zero. Oh. Well, yeah, that'll be you and I are be, six and five. Be. Kevin's ten and one. That'll sound great for the first fifteen minutes. <laughs> in fact, I might I might leave the room and then come back. He'll still be talking. I think because I normally text the standings, and it's like I don't think I'm going to do that this week. I will let him figure it out. <laughs> yeah, terrific. Yeah, I may have to suspend that segment. <laughs> executive executive decision. Okay. <laughs> oh, we'll keep going if it makes him feel better. Oh uh, yeah. Well, hey. well, uh, we do that Best Buy segment uh, on the pregame show. I heard it last Saturday. <laughs> and we, just, we don't know what the games are. <laughs> but the son and his mom. I thought that was cu- I thought that was cute. It was really nice. Oh, that was really nice. I mean, that was I enjoyed. I, I enjoyed meeting the people. Yeah, I enjoyed meeting the people a lot. They're terrific. But when it comes to preparation, <laughs> Jack and I might have concentrated too much on one game. <laughs> I think he took he took Stanford, I think, in the USC Stanford. I think. Yeah, I took USC. Yeah, we all did. Yeah, I took USC. Uh, let's see what else. Um, I'm trying to think. I took Ohio State. I took USC, and I think I took Clemson. So I got two out of three. Yep. Derek took Oklahoma. Derek was undefeated the week before. He took Oklahoma. You know, I, I said to him when we were done, I said, you know, if you'd spend more time on our game and less time on the other games. <laughs> <laughs> I love what he was talking about in terms of rivalries uh, during the tailgate show in terms of you know the one team i would you know really would have loved to have played was maryland because it's where he was right. from and then he brought up uh, you know you know justin king you know, being from you know pittsburgh you know, loved to have played pitt so. right well yeah but he would have wanted to win the game for him because he's from there you know and of course you know he played for terry at gateway yeah um terry smith it's um I think people think, for example, this game affects recruiting, and I don't. 
I don't think that does anything. I think that recruiting takes care of itself, and it's the people you're recruiting in conjunction with your personality as a recruiter and what you have to offer. I think Penn State is going to get the Western Pennsylvania players for the most part it wants if they feel that there are Western Pennsylvania players that they feel can help them stay on the path to a national championship. I think that even if they didn't win the game, they'd still be getting the players. And I think Pitt would still is still going to get the players that, you know, but when it comes to competing for them, I mean, Lamont Wade, Lamont Wade's going to come to Penn State no matter what. I mean, Pitt won the game last year, Penn State got Lamont Wade. But I don't think it has the kind of effect in, uh, that people realize I think everyone throws so much energy into what a result means. Well, to me, the bottom line is the result in that particular season. Win the game and move on. They won on Saturday. I'm, as soon as they were done with that, boom, I've relaxed a bit on Saturday night, and then boom, right into the next one again. But I have to do that. You as a fan don't have to do that. You as a fan can enjoy, gloat, do whatever you want. Put certain significance on certain games. You know, the next big one you'll probably put, well, I would guess people would put a lot of importance on Iowa Big Ten opener coming up. I mean, they don't have an easy Big Ten schedule at all. I mean, you I mean, Penn State wins the Big Ten this year. They will have earned it. By the way, how about Jerry Kill at Rutgers? You hear about him, Sean? I did hear. Was it yesterday? He's, had a, had another he, seizure. He suffered another seizure. Mm. Like, man, feel so awful for him, and I feel awful for his family. What a hard thing to go through. The one element that did surprise me, Sean, was with his past history. I was surprised that he was on the sideline and up in the not up in the box. As a coordinator, you can pick wherever you want. He probably felt best being on the sideline, but with his past history, I would have thought he would have been in the box. We are your home for the Philadelphia Phillies. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.